Welcome to the Second Success Podcast by Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Getting clear on the mindset for repeatable success. Hello and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. And today I'm joined by another very good friend, Ariel Tivon of Tivon Fine Jewelry. We're going to get to hear how he entered into business and how he uses humour to get through it all. And just as a reminder, if you're not doing so already, please do remember to subscribe or follow to this podcast on your favourite podcast streaming platform. And also, if you are enjoying it, please do recommend it to friends, family and others that may enjoy it, specifically entrepreneurs or people that are in business that may be struggling and need to hear some inspiration on about keeping going. And talking of keeping going, I must admit this week's been a little bit of a struggle for me. Why? I would think because, you know, I'm seeing that the UK is pretty much opening up, restaurants are open, people are able to eat indoors now, but I'm still at home. I've not really had the chance to get out. And and to be honest, I'm missing getting out, being with people, and it's making me think, what's going wrong? All these thoughts keep entering into my head of, um, you know, why aren't I getting out? Why am I not meeting people? But actually, when I just sit back and reflect, it's it's just my own busyness. Um... And what it allowed me to do was to reflect and think, well, okay, am I really being busy or am I being productive here? And it helped me analyse that actually I'm just whiling away time when really I need to be a little bit more productive. And by being a bit more productive, I can actually free up time to go and actually do what I want to do. And that's go out and meet my friends and network. So that was definitely my learning from this week, you know, pause every once in a while and just be grateful for what you do have. You know, I was focusing too much on missing out and thinking about, oh, what don't what don't I have? But really, I've got so much. I've got so much going for me that, uh, you know, I needed to just stop, reflect and be grateful. And I think it's a great thing to do to have that daily practice of gratitude. It's uh, it keeps you grounded, keeps you humble and makes you realize you've uh, accomplished a lot more than you think you possibly have. So that brings me to today's guest. Ariel Tivon. He's the second generation owner of Tivon Fine Jewelry. Born in Israel, raised in South Africa and now living in the UK, he's also a father of two. Ariel's true passions lie in family, jokes, jewellery and gems, and in that order. He came into the family business by happenstance, but his flair and creativity for design, coupled with single-mindedness and talent for picking exquisite gems, has led him to continue his father's legacy into the future. Having recently started his own podcast titled Gems and Jokes with Ariel Tivon, it's wonderful to have him on my podcast for you all to sample his approach to business and his humour. Let's hear from him now. So Ariel, thank you very much and thank you for joining me on the Second Success Podcast. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh no, it's brilliant. Well, first of all, you know, before we get into it all, congratulations on your own podcast. You know, you're a few episodes in now and I find it really enjoyable to listen to not entirely on the subject matter about gems and stuff but the other aspect of jokes because uh, you know it's hilarious the dad jokes are hilarious well listen at home i've got the most awful audience my children just roll their eyes every time i tell a joke so i thought now i gotta take the show on the road i've got to entertain people and uh, (laughs) yeah spread my dad jokes as far and wide as I can but uh, a special thank you to you actually because whether the audience knows it or not you you actually mentored me through the whole podcast um, the whole the whole podcast creation 
So uh, a special thanks to you. I don't think it would have happened without your coaching. I appreciate it. No, my, my pleasure, honestly. I was happy to help. So, you know, the more people that are doing it and getting their message out and providing value, I think the better. So the uh, um, one thing I want to touch on, I, I don't think I've asked you. I probably have a, a while back, but how old, do you mind telling me how old your children are? I've got two daughters. One is 16, one yeah. is 13, going on 16. <laughs> so, yeah, house full of teenage girls. Brilliant. That's, uh, I'm happiest at the office, happiest at the office. <laughs> There's a reason I've asked you and I'm going to come back to it, but okay. we're going to go back to how you got into this whole jewelry trade. So uh, let, let's take take us back. Well, it's a long, the long and short of it, to a degree, I was kind of born into it. Mm. Um, but So my father started his career in the jewelry and diamond business in 1963 and at, at one point, so he, he started building up the, the business. And then when I was born, I suppose I was always around it. It's, it wasn't sort of love at first sight. I think a lot of people say, oh, you know, they knew, they felt the calling. They knew immediately that mm. this, whatever chosen vocation, whatever chosen industry they're in, they knew. I think that's exceptional. For me, I was always around it. I suppose I absorbed it by seeing it. Uh, very much nurture versus nature. Um, and I always joke that when I was four years old, my dad used to bring me into the office, put me in the corner with some silver candlesticks and silverware and made me polish it. Now, today, you'd call that child labor. Back, <laughs> then, <laughs> back, back then, it was a dad getting free labor <laughs> from his son and getting him to do something. But it was, I suppose, in a very wise way, an education almost without me knowing it, you know, I was just mm. very happy to be doing it, very happy to be making my father proud when he saw that I had accomplished something. So I, I think very tricky of my dad. He got me to actually learn something without, without <laughs> me knowing it because I was never the greatest student. So okay. I suppose uh, that's kind of the way I came. I sort of came into the business slowly, slowly, just by being around it. Okay. And then eventually when I was 27, I have to think back because I'm older now, just a little bit older. But when I was 27, my wife and I left South Africa and we came here to the UK and I decided to expand the business. And then it was really just diving straight into the deep end. It mm -hmm. was a, a challenge and certainly school of hard knocks. And I went from knowing a little bit to having to know a hell of a lot in a yeah. very short space of time. Because when you're trying to build a business, when you're trying to sell your product, you better know what you're talking about because people are going to cotton on very quickly. If, you know, if you're sort of halfway, halfway there, or if your knowledge is lacking, nobody buys from somebody who doesn't have confidence and doesn't know their product well. Mm -hmm. So, the, I mean, there's the aspect of knowing what you're selling, but what about the uh, aspect of knowing the business itself? I mean, this is some of the stuff we talk about. It's not just knowing your product, but actually running the business, marketing it, the sales. That wasn't picked up from your father, or was it? It's a great question. I think it's a combination of things. Look, I, I'll answer it sort of not in the correct order. First of all, as a good Jewish father, my father sent me off to get a, a degree. The degree was in accounting, auditing, and business. Mm -hmm. So I worked for Price Coopers for several years doing my accounting articles. 
I think that gave me a good grounding and understanding of how some of the intricacies of business works. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in terms of seeing how companies run, understanding financials, that sort of thing. But I would credit the greatest success of the business to my father, definitely. Growing up, seeing my father run a business, seeing the work ethos that is required to run a business and the, the mental attitude, the mental aptitude, that's all down to my father. That is pure nurture. Mm. Um, and I think the last piece of the puzzle is definitely school of hard knocks. It doesn't matter what you prepare. You know, you can study everything you want about business, great textbook learning. You can see other people doing it. Great examples but until you dive head you know headstrong right into it and get into the thick of it and are neck deep in it and making mistakes and finding out how things work you have no idea how to run a business no matter what anybody tells you it's pure experience I, I'd, I'd agree there and uh, I guess you know being such a, a mentor you know uh, and guiding you in that sense have you had anything else you know are there others that have uh, inspired you and helped you along that journey in terms of mentors, I have to still credit my father. My father is my rock. Um, I go, I speak about him a lot. Um, I think I am very lucky in that sense because many people don't exactly go into the same business as their parents. They may go on a completely different journey and then have to find other mentors. I certainly have looked to others. I'm a great believer in learning both from others as well as from other people's mistakes. Mm. I think one of the greatest sources of information is looking at what people have done wrong. And that's not a criticism of those people. That's somebody doing trial and error. Mm. And if you're wise enough, you pick up on what they've done right, but also on what they've done wrong so that you can correct your, your possible future mistakes. Mm -hmm. But in so far as mentors, yes, I've definitely had people guiding me along the way um i've been very lucky that i've put it been put in the path of some very just decent human beings that have you know given me good advice um always if i i'd be very uh, i'd be in trouble let's be honest if i didn't <laughs> mention my wife yeah. <laughs> she she often has very sound judgment she always says to me sleep on it never make a decision when you're feeling very emotional and very rash. So I have to give her definitely some credit, but in terms of my biggest mentor by far, my father, he, mm. I learned by example, not only what a great business person should be, but what a great human being should be and what a great example uh, as a father should be. Mm -hmm. Well, do you know what? And this is why I was asking you how old your uh, daughters were, because, you know, your father has had such a huge influence on you. How are you influencing the next generation? It's a great question. So, <laughs> wow, really being put on the spot yet. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think as any parent, you're kind of figuring it out as you go along. I don't think, again, coming back to my dad, I don't know if he ever had a grand, a grand plan or some sort of great plan to, to mentor me, to teach me. I think he just did it. He just went along and he did it. And I think my attitude is pretty much the same. The one thing I have to say, I go out of my way to instill in my children 
is number one, don't have an ego. The world isn't about you. And, you know, don't, don't be all about, if you look at the world today, it's all about the selfie. It's all about I am, I am. Don't be about that. You know, help, help people um, learn to, uh, the, the second one is sense of humor. I think sense of humor is so key to just survive, not only to enjoying life, but to surviving life. I, I actually, my, my kids know if they come to me with a great joke, I'm going to be prouder than ever because <laughs> it's, it, I think it's a tool for life. I think it's not only helps you, first of all, have a great attitude, but I think it's a coping mechanism with a very harsh reality, a very harsh world. And if you don't learn to laugh, not only at situations, learn to laugh at yourself. I think that's the most important. That's part of not having an ego. Yeah. If you can dish it out and make a joke about somebody else, be ready to take a joke about yourself. Um, and if, and that way, number one, no ego, number two, better sense of humor. So that's, that's really what I, I try and impart on them, whether they find their way in this world, I guess we'll see like any other parent. <laughs> well, you know, and, and not to be uh, sexist in any way here, but we do know that ladies love their jewelry. So are your daughters the consumers or are they the business minded individuals that they, you're hoping that they might be? So I have to confess, I have tried to play, I don't know if it's a part, part parent, part mentor, part whatever, but I remember going back a few years, I was in Thailand on a business trip and I came across one night, uh, I was walking through one of their big flea markets and I came across these amazingly crafted um they were actually made of rubber. They were bracelets, mm. but it's not just like a simple rubber band. It was actually beautifully ornate and they were relatively cheap. So I thought, hold on a second, here's a great learning opportunity. So I bought a bunch, spent, spent a bunch of money, brought them back. And first of all, I gave a gift to each of my daughters and I said, what do you think? And of course they loved it. And I said, great, you like it so much. I want you to try and sell these. And of course, immediately they sort of got very nervous. Oh, where do we sell them? How do we sell them? So I said, you know, you'll figure it out. And we took them with one day. We went to a park just for lunch. And I said, I don't know what it, what's with me. I, I thought maybe, you know what? They need to dive in the deep end a bit and not have fear. I think the, mm -hmm. best, the best thing is, you know, trying to embrace yeah. And we set up like uh, just on a park bench, we sent up, set up a little basket with these. And I said to them, right, I'll whatever you earn, I'll double. And they actually sold out. Wow. Now, I was very proud. I was also out of pocket, <laughs> a lot of money because they managed to sell out. But I tried to teach them, number one, try and conquer your fears. Number two, don't be scared to talk to people. Uh, I think it comes back to something my dad said to me when I was very young. At that point in time, shows you how long I've been around. There were only 6 billion people in the world. Today, there's yeah. something close to eight. But yeah. at that time, he said to me, Ariel, there's 6 billion people in this world. Get comfortable talking to people. Hmm. So again, you know, come, sorry, I, I've taken a very long route to answer your question. But in terms of jewelry, they definitely love their jewelry. But I'm not pushing them in any way. Okay who sort of come into the business or take an interest. If they want to take an interest one day, certainly yeah. I'll welcome it. But for now, I just want them to find their own path. And yes, it's dangerous for them to visit the office because 
they were, they want to try and try everything on. So uh, yeah, definitely you, there's the love of jewelry there. And uh, you know what? What resonated with me there is you told me that story, and I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm so glad you shared it. Um, this whole thing about communication, getting comfortable with talking. You know, I, I you know my kids are similar age to yours. Daughter's seventeen, going on eighteen, and. My son is uh, going on 13. But what I do find is as confident as they are, they still struggle to go and speak to strangers or go and, you know, when they need to do something. So I'm always having to battle to say, listen, you have to speak to people. We live in this world where everybody's got a mobile and all the communication is done via emojis uh, or stunted words. Uh, the art of communication, I really do fear, is being lost. So, yeah, no, I, it's something that I'm definitely pushing more, um, getting them to go out. And, it, and, you know, it's that interaction with another human being, uh, let alone just talking, but just being able to understand other human beings, the psychology and being empathetic and understanding just by being with somebody. How is it that they're feeling and not making it just about themselves? You're right. Letting go of that ego. It's so important as well. Totally agree. You know, also, I think one of the catalysts for me, because I wasn't, I wasn't always, you know, outgoing. I was always talkative. I was kicked out of class consistently throughout school for talking. <laughs> so, but talking to somebody, I never really had an issue with. Talking in front of people is a whole other thing. And I think people get very nervous. And mm. one, one of the things somebody encouraged me to do, actually, now that I think back, he was... He was one of my managers when I worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers, and he told me about an organization called Toastmasters. I yeah, don't know if I've you've heard ever of heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. And I didn't know what this thing was, and he said, go along. It's it's essentially you know being getting comfortable with talking to people. And I went in scared as anything. And then I get there, and it's this kind of like, it looked to me almost like in the movies, like this drama workshop where you, you know, you get put in front of people and you think, Oh my God, what is this thing? But I have to credit looking back. It was a great school because you're forced into a situation um, and to speak in front of people. And actually it, it actually got me out of my shell. It got me a lot more comfortable. I still get nervous. I think mm. that's just human nature. Somebody said once, the fear of talking in front of people for most people is greater than the fear of death. Something mm. wrong with that equation. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely. But I think, it, I think it's practice. Yeah. I think that's also, you know, when you, when you also, you are in your own business, you start talking to people and just, it's like riding a bike. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Of course. Uh, and I must admit, you know, in, in my field of work, I come across many people who have this uh, lack of confidence in speaking in front of people. And um, and I've always advocated at Toastmasters. It's a global organization. So there's, you know, there's uh, there's um, places around the world you can go and do a Toastmasters. So I, I, I highly recommend it. And what I also say, and here's a, here's a trick uh, or a tip, let's say, that I ask people to think about when they do need to do some sort of public talking, where... I know it's worked for me and definitely has worked for people that I know is when you're going out to actually give a talk or present on something, a couple of things that you need to remember more often than not, you're the expert. So the reason you're talking is because other one, other people want to actually hear it. So if you go out with the intention of knowing that you're going to be providing value, it kind of eases that nervousness a little bit. What you're finding is that when you're going out to talk in front of a crowd, you're there to provide value. As long as your intention is right, 
too many people start worrying about, am I going to be okay? Uh, uh, you know, what are people going to think of me? It's the wrong intention. I think marking your intention correct and your intention solely should be to provide value. What value can I provide today? And when you start focusing on others rather than focusing on yourself, that fear starts to go. And also this nervousness, this fear, it's the same, it's the same chemical process as excitement. And so what I also say is sometimes what you'll find is this nerves that you're feeling is actually excitement because it's going to be the same kind of feeling. And, and so it's just about, it's like you said, the more you do it, the more you come to realize it. But I do think that if you care about something enough, you'll never lose that uh, nervousness because all you'll always be going out wanting to do a great job, but you can make it easier. Just understanding your intent and the value that you want to provide, making it about others rather than making it about yourself definitely makes, makes it easier. I agree completely. And something you said in there, which I think is perfect, is, you know, you never lose that nervousness. Till today, I still walk into every appointment nervous. Mm. Uh, but once I get going, once I start talking, once I open my mouth, those nerves fade away. Because as you said, you're there to bring value. Uh, I, I think that's a fantastic statement you've made. As long as you you figure out your purpose. Look, you're going to be nervous. Fear is is natural. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish it wasn't. Uh, it's obviously there for a reason. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you've got if you want to make an impact in some way, you've just you've got to get over it. I know it's easier said than done, but I know you you have to do well, it. Well, you know, I go into the whole science and psychology behind fight or flight, you know, the fight or flight and how our prehistoric brains were always looking out for danger, but we don't live in that world anymore. But unfortunately our brains are still primed to look for danger and make us run. But, uh, but like you said, we overcome that by practice. As soon as we're, you know, when we start putting ourselves into situations that we're fearful of, we start normalizing it. And very soon, it's like you said, anything that you do for the first time is scary, but the more often you do it, it becomes less and less scary and soon it becomes autopilot. So uh, yeah, no, with Agreed. that. So g going back to talking about autopilot, you know, you've been running this business for a while, and you know we've talked a lot. It's not easy. It's a daily battle, and none more so than the past few, you know, past year, let's say, uh, with uh, with the pandemic. How has that impacted your business? And you know, how have you managed to get through it? Look, it's been hard. I can say it, it, being in business as a whole is it's a physical challenge as well as a mental challenge. Before I answer the answer direct, the question directly, rather, I'm going to go back to when I first started here in the UK. When I came from South Africa, the move was by no means easy. I actually went through two depressions. And when I say depressions, I mean the kind of depressions where you literally cannot lift yourself physically off the sofa. Mm -hmm. I came from a country that I had everything in front of me. I had blue skies and sunshine, family, friends, an entire support network. I had a degree. I was earning money. Everything was great. And when I arrived here, it was a new marriage, new country, no sunshine, bad, bad weather, didn't know where anything was. And, you know, I, and the, the worst part is I put a hell of a lot of pressure on myself, more so than anybody put on me. And that create, and I went into two very, very strong depressions. 
And luckily enough, by the grace of God and by the help of my wife, my father, and, you know, some good friends, I managed to pull myself out of it. And it eventually, you know, the business took off. Um, so the, the reason I mention it is because the pandemic is kind of to a degree like that. It is a complete departure from what anybody knows. Hmm. All of a sudden, the brakes were hit on the world. And... You know, you on the one side, you, you just want to get going. Let's get, you know, I'm used to this. I need, a, I've got a business, I've got a family, I've got this or that. I've got to get going. But the rest of the world stopped. And no matter what you want to do, you can't, you just can't move. And in a way, part of me sort of worried, but the, the, let's call it the, that, that getting on the bike part of me, luckily enough for me, was stronger mm. because. Early on, people said, you know, don't just sit around waiting, get on top of things, learn new, um, I don't know, learn new skills, fix your business, do whatever you can. And I'm a person, I don't like sitting around too long and doing nothing. I get mm -hmm. very sort of edgy. So I thought, you know what, let's get, let's first start with all the things that I haven't had time to do. Let, let's tackle those. And I started doing that. And the more I did that, actually, I found other things and I found other things I could improve on. And I worked on our marketing and I worked on our display and I worked on our stock. And eventually, towards the end, I also, you know, with your help, started my own podcast. I think if you're a person that like, has a strong work ethic and a strong work ethic and likes to do things and doesn't want to just wait around for things to happen, I think you're going to make it happen. And that's for me, you know, I can't say the pandemic is wonderful by no mm -hmm. means, but for me as a personal challenge, I took the bull by the horns and I've actually come out of it feeling quite strong. I, I feel mm -hmm. tired now if I'm mm -hmm. honest, because I've had a year worth of hard graft to just get everything ready. It's kind of like it now I want to take a break, but we can't take a break because now the world's opening up again. So we need to, push even harder you you've obviously grown up having built your resilience and you know like you said having gone through a couple of depressions having to move country you know, going through all of that of course it's going to build up your resilience now you know similar similar to yourself you know having grown up um, my father owning his own business you know going through bankruptcies and you know loss of homes you know you go through all of that and it do, does build up that resilience and you kind of want to be able to face everything and anything however you know we're a different generation I do fear for the youngers coming through that unfortunately there's a lot of spoon feeding going on and I do think that you know they may lack resilience going forward and um, how can we make it better for them and make them realize that actually it does take hard work that it doesn't everything doesn't happen overnight you know no matter what instagram and facebook show you or linkedin show you you know the success isn't there just for everybody straight away it's going to take a hard slog it's going to take a number of years you know you'd be one in a billion or one in a million that's going to have it overnight and you're going to be lucky but really for the majority of people it's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of, you know, heartache to be successful at whatever they do. How are they going to do it? It's a very hard question. And I've got to be very careful that I don't preach what I don't practice. I do worry as a parent. I, I certainly worry for my kids. 
you know, when we were young, as, as we didn't have everything that kids have today. And probably mm. our parents said the same thing about us, but you know, you didn't have all the, the social media and the, the electronics and all of that. We were left to our own devices. So you kind of had to experiment. If you mm. wanted to entertain yourself, you went outside, you played, you rode your bike in the traffic. Yep. <laughs> I don't, don't recommend that to anybody. Don't Without start a helmet. Your kids out into the traffic. But really, you know, our parents went to work and you just got on, you just got on with it. And through that play, through that experimentation, you learn. So I think, and again, I don't want to say things that I don't practice, but it's very hard as a parent to let go. I heard a great term called helicopter parenting. Mm. It came out of America where you literally hover over your kids, making sure that they don't make any mistakes. I think we need to allow our kids to make mistakes. We, we have to allow them to that kind of freedom mm. to experiment. I, I don't say it's easy. Um, and the, I think the greatest thing, I think this is both good for business and for parenting is that the piece of advice I would give is be a parent. Mm. I think too many people are consumed with being kids' friends. Yeah. If I can be friendly with my, my children, I think that's amazing. And I have a great, great relationship with my kids, but I am first and foremost their father. Mm. My job is protecting them. My job is mentoring them, making sure that they become decent human beings and on the path of, I don't want to say righteousness, but on the straight and narrow path. Mm. I think that's the main. Teach your kids by example. You want to know how to get the future for kids right? Be a good example. Yeah. The way my father was an example to me, I try to be an example to my kids. And often, actually, I have to tell you, that helps me in business. Because there's often I wake up terrible mood. I'm worried about business. I'm worried about what to do. But I can't just loaf around and lie on the sofa and do nothing because my kids are watching. They're getting up for school. They've got, they've got it. And what kind of an example is that? So it actually helps me push myself in my business. I get up, I get dressed, I get ready and I go to work. I may not be in the best of moods, but my kids need to see what a good work ethos is. And my kids need to see what an example is of a person picking themselves up and despite whatever it is that's happening, pushing on. Mm. Be an example. You want the future for, for, for the future generations to be right. Be a good example. Exactly. That's what I have to say. No, I agree with you. There's too often too many people telling people what to do, but they don't do it themselves. And it's true. K kids are smart. You, you know, we see this if, you know, you're telling a kid what to do and they'll easily cotton on. Well, hold on, you don't do it. Of course, they're not going to. Uh, you, you, I think leading by example, whether it's in business, whether it's in management, it starts at home. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Absolutely. So, um, you know, like you said, you started loads of different things, worked on the business uh, during the past 12 months or so. Uh, and you started the podcast now as well. And where's the future with that? I mean, I know the intentions of why I started my podcast. So tell, tell us a little about, about your podcast. I know we touched on it right at the beginning, but uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast and the kind of people that you have on. Well, the podcast started if i'm honest i thought of when i was researching it i thought of well here's a great pr opportunity but i have to say that faded away very quickly that that initial motivation 
And what took over very quickly, I have to say within the space of probably the first episode, because my first episode was just me talking a little bit about my history and so on. Mm. And I thought while I did it, I thought, hold on a second. Okay. Initially, I, I started with the motivation of a bit of PR, but actually, hold on a second. There's an opportunity here to give people a hell of a lot of background about an industry, which is usually the only thing you see about it is either some expose in the media or some, which is often quite negative, which irritates me a lot, or they see these beautiful shops and they don't know anything about what's happening behind the scenes. So actually almost within episode one, I thought, hold on a second, there is an opportunity to educate, mm -hmm. um, but I want to do it in my style, uh, bring my terrible dad jokes <laughs> into the mix <laughs> and uh, just do it in my relaxed, informal style of bringing uh, to a, hopefully a wider audience, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of education, and hopefully a little bit of entertainment about what is actually happening happening in the jewelry and the gemstone industry. Yeah. Um, and it's evolving. It's evolving as the guests change. That's also evolving because then my brain goes to other tangents and other areas where I think, hold on, that actually might be also quite interesting and not only, not strictly, strictly to do with just the gemstones and the jewelry. So it, it's, it's a passion project. I absolutely love it. And once again, like I said in my initial episode, it's free therapy. Instead of just <laughs> shouting into the wind, you're doing something productive with, with your time and with your energy. I, you know what? I, um, I've been saying this to my guests. <laughs> this is the third episode running. It's a cathartic approach, isn't it? It is therapy. It is, you know, I, I'm in the same business. You know, there's me. There's my daily challenges. You know, everything that you've said resonates with me. Of course it does. You know, any... Any entrepreneur out there, any person, anybody running a business, they'll know the, the struggles. However, to hear that everybody goes through it, everybody gets through it, and there's ways and the techniques, it's just inspirational to learn. And for me, when I started it, it's, it's very similar. People will say, oh, you should start a podcast. People will get to know about you. And I thought, okay. But actually, I made it about others rather than making it about myself. It is about others and learning from other people. And I do really hope that as people listen in, you know, it's not my voice that they're tuning into. It's the guests because you all have such great stories. They're all so varied. I think it's amazing. Do you know what's funny? You see a guy walking around talking to himself. You think the guy's a loony. Hand him a microphone. He's a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Ariel, listen, I've got to wish you all the best with the podcast because honestly, I've enjoyed the first few episodes that they're really, Thank you. really quite funny. And like you said, it's a bit of an education as well. Um, you know, there's there's things that I've learned there that I wouldn't have even known about, really, if I, if I hadn't tuned in. But it is, it's about getting that message out there, isn't it? I mean, we've we've talked about this, that, you know, it's there our podcasts, our passion projects, uh, you know, we would love for so many other people to be listening to them because in the end, it's about creating value for others. And, um, you know, it is it is about getting our voices out there. Um, you know, as much as we love to create the podcast and enjoy doing them, uh, I guess, you know, the battle then becomes just like the business. How do we work it? How do we get others to listen to it? How do we get others to buy in? And I think that's the battle in itself, isn't it? And I think that's also the enjoying the enjoyment process. It's the new learnings. It's uh, it, it's never boring because there's always different ways to figure out. Well, how how can I grow this? How can I get other people to listen in? So, uh, and I know you're you're in that space as well. But you know, 
you said it's all, it's about others, but at the same time, because it is therapy, it's also about us because I have to say, while I'm trying to provide education for others, I'm actually learning a hell of a lot and yeah. I'm benefiting as much, hopefully as much as the listeners, because new information is coming to me, which I don't expect. Sometimes I plan a question and the person answering it doesn't answer the way I think they will. They give a whole new range of, of viewpoints of information that takes me in a different direction. And that for me, first of all, is very educational. And at the same time, you know, it's therapeutic because I'm learning. I, unfortunately, I've never been a great academic. I did pretty good. Well, it just shows you my English. I did pretty well at school. They're pretty good at school. Uh, but I've never been one. Unfortunately, I think I suffer from a form of narcolepsy where I start reading and I fall asleep. So I'm a terrible when it comes to, to reading, even though I love reading. But by talking to people, I absorb so much. So the therapy is as much for me and the learning curve is as much for me as it is for the listeners. So that's what I try and do. And I think that's what you do very successfully also is you throw out questions and it's entertaining and it's educational for everybody else. But I think by osmosis or so, somehow you, you're probably growing just as much. No, definitely. But also I'd put it down to me being very nosy and curious. <laughs> I just love asking questions of people. Never underestimate the power of being nosy. It will exactly. get you everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's great information and people appreciate it as well. Because I think here's the other thing. People, you know, I'm going back to, I keep going back to this. This is art, this art of communication. A lot of conversations that happen are very superficial. How are you? How are things going? Nobody really peels away the layers. And I think this is also an opportunity just to dig a little bit deeper and get an understanding how things really work and how people's minds are ticking over. So uh, I think it's it's valuable. It really is. So uh, and I think more people should get involved. And, uh, I, you know, I've had great, great collection of guests on. And I'm looking forward to bringing more on. And brings me to the point, Ariel, I've really got to thank you. It's been really it has been an inspiration. You know, I've heard your story before, but, you know, just for you to go into it again, repeat it and learning some new nuggets, I do find that it's uh, uh, very inspirational. I'm hoping the listeners take a lot from it. And it, it just shows that, you know what, grow a thick skin. You're going to face challenges. You're going to see some really difficult times, but build that resilience and you will go on and be successful. A thick skin is definitely needed in this world. I think I have the, the skin of a rhinoceros by, by this stage. <laughs> We, we have certainly a, a enough hard knocks to uh, to thicken that skin. And again, coming back to, you know, the future generations and today you've got, and I'm not, the, I am very far from being the most politically correct person uh, <laughs> to the, to the disgust of my uh, children. But, you know, the world has become what they like to be known as woke. Everybody's scared to say anything about anybody for, for the yeah. sake of sparing their feelings. But the mm. point is, that's not life. Yeah. Life is full of hard knocks. Life is about, you know, you, you'll receive a lot of them mm. and you need to be resilient. You, you need to have a thick skin. And that only happens through trial and error. That's being, being able to take a knock. You can't just punch. You have to be, be able to, to yeah. get punched. Yeah. And I know it's a very cliche to think, but it's about a, a very cliche thing to say. And you've heard it a million times, but, you know, they say, oh, life is about being able to take a punch and get up. Mm. It, but it is. Yeah, it is. How many in business, in personal, you, you get knocked down left and right.
you need to cope with it because the world carries on spinning. It's not waiting for you. Well, you know what? I like the way you do it because you bring it with a sense of humor too. So with that, Ariel, I want to thank you for being on my second success podcast. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. And that was Ariel Tivon of Tivon Fine Jewellery Resilience. It really stood out for me. And it's uh, it's it's always fun to speak with Ariel because his humour does really come through. And it's, uh, you know, it resonates with me and I've experienced it myself. Humour does take us quite far in terms of just getting through some of the difficult and more challenging times. And, you know, we've talked so much about resilience. I've got to leave you with a clip from a movie today. And to be honest, it's a bit of a cheat because it's the clip that I used um, in my very first episode of the Second Success podcast. It's from Rocky. It's a, it's a great uh, quote where he talks about, uh, you know, the world hitting you hard and, you know, you'll go down, but you've just got to get up. you just got to keep going. Hope you enjoy it. You ain't going to believe this, but you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's gonna be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day. It was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. Thank you for listening to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakish Rana, The Clear Coach.